Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. World leaders and members of the British royal family pay their last respects to Queen Elizabeth II as 10 days of mourning come to an end. The former director of national intelligence raising concerns about potential misclassified documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. This as former President Trump returns to his Florida home. More Republicans are now saying illegal immigrants should be transported away from the border, but California's governor wants the DOJ to investigate the relocation efforts. Hurricane Fiona causes an island-wide power outage in Puerto Rico before spinning to the Dominican Republic. Find out where the hurricane could go next. In a final farewell to Queen Elizabeth II, King Charles and other senior British royals joined world leaders and monarchs today. Queen Elizabeth's coffin was carried into Westminster Abbey on Monday as 10 days of mourning for Britain's beloved monarch entered their final hours. King Charles and the royal family, including her great-grandchildren, Prince George and Princess Charlotte, joined an unprecedented gathering of some 500 leaders and dignitaries from every corner of the globe. The last post and a two-minute silence brought the service to an end. Earlier, tens of thousands of people had lined the streets as the Queen's casket made the short journey from Westminster Hall where she had been lying in state. It was pulled along on a gun carriage by 142 Royal Navy sailors with their arms linked. And they were preceded by a procession of hundreds of military personnel in full ceremonial dress. In London's Hyde Park and in homes and locations worldwide, many more thousands of mourners fell silent as the Queen's coffin appeared on their screens. After the service, a second royal procession through London marked the start of the casket's journey west to Windsor Castle, the final resting place of Queen Elizabeth II, who died aged 96 on September 8th at Balmoral in Scotland after 70 years on the throne. Now to U.S. domestic affairs. Former White House Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe has raised concerns over potential misclassified documents seized in the Mar-a-Lago raid. NTD's Jessica Beatty has more on what he told Fox News on Sunday. Former Trump official John Ratcliffe told Fox News if the FBI took documents related to Russiagate or Christopher Steele, there's a question whether they're actually top secret or not. Former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele's infamous Steele dossier was used to obtain a spy warrant on members of the Trump 2016 presidential campaign. The discredited dossier was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee. Ratcliffe said a lot of those documents were make-believe but were marked top secret. They're going to have to look at documents that were marked top secret to determine whether or not there's any, there really was any national security information in there of any value. I can tell you from personal experience that many of those Russiagate documents were not top secret, although they were marked that way. Ratcliffe's comments come after senior judge Raymond Deary was appointed special master. He'll review the documents to see if anything should be shielded from the DOJ probe. 
Ratcliffe said he thinks Judge Deary's a good choice because, in his words, Deary's been taken advantage of by the FBI and will likely not take the DOJ and FBI assertions at face value. Deary previously signed off on warrants the FBI used to surveil a former Trump associate. A former FBI lawyer later admitted to doctoring an email that was used to support the surveillance warrants. Meanwhile, former President Trump headed back to Mar-a-Lago Sunday night to see the aftermath of the raid. He said his home was ransacked and in far different condition than how he left it. Trump was in New York City when the FBI searched his Florida home. They seized over 11,000 materials, including about 100 documents marked classified or top secret. Trump has claimed he declassified those documents. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Turning to Hurricane Fiona, parts of Puerto Rico are still without power after the storm caused an island-wide power outage along with life-threatening floods. The hurricane hit the Dominican Republic this morning. It hit the Dominican coastal town of Boca de Yuma with maximum sustained winds of 90 miles per hour. It's moving northwest at 8 miles per hour and is set to travel over the eastern portion of the Dominican Republic and then emerge into the Atlantic Ocean. On Tuesday, it could pass near Turks and Caicos, and the Bahamas are also currently under a tropical storm warning from the effects of Fiona. It's expected to become a major hurricane by Wednesday. The National Hurricane Center is also tracking another weather event. It's a tropical disturbance currently in the middle of the Atlantic, but weather trackers only give it a 20% chance of developing into something bigger in the coming days. Another disaster, a plane crash at the Reno Air Race Sunday killed one person. The National Transportation Safety Board is investigating. Take a look at this image. That's smoke rising from where the plane crashed. According to the Reno Air Racing Association, only one plane was involved in the accident. In a tweet, the racing association says the pilot was killed. It went on to say they've suspended the national championship air races for now. The question about what to do with illegal immigrants continues. Republicans say more buses should be sent, while more Democrats join their colleagues in condemning the relocation efforts. More Republican officials are supporting the relocation of illegal immigrants by GOP governors. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said on Saturday that the Lone Star State will continue the transportation. Patrick told Fox News that they've been dumping people in America for a long time, a long time. And now Texas is saying we're fighting back. We're going to send them to your neighborhood and we're going to keep those buses coming until finally this administration wakes up. He says Texas is now spending around $4 billion a year on border security, which is 10 times the normal amount of around $400 million. Meanwhile, New York City Mayor Eric Adams says more buses from Texas arrived in the Big Apple on Sunday. Uh, we received uh, a minimum of six buses uh, early this morning. Uh, over 11,000 individuals, um, asylum-seeking migrants, have come to the city already. On Saturday, Adams condemned the relocation efforts, using the example of a man who was on one of those buses. Placed on a bus and traveled 45 hours without medical care, food for his children. He stated that he was afraid. However, Senator Ted Cruz says the cartels and smugglers' poor treatment of migrants is cruel and dehumanizing. He suggests stronger border policies would prevent their mistreatment. On Twitter, the Republican senator urged Governors DeSantis and Abbott to send illegal immigrants to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, Palo Alto, California, and Nantucket, Massachusetts, 
all of which are wealthy Democrat-led areas. California Governor Gavin Newsom also joined the back and forth between the two parties, tweeting that he wants the DOJ to investigate the relocation efforts. He sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, writing that clearly transporting families, including children, across state lines under false pretenses is morally reprehensible, but it may also be illegal. About half of the buses arriving in New York in August and September were from Democrat-run El Paso. Meanwhile, the illegal immigrants who arrived in Martha's Vineyard by plane from Florida are now at the military base on Cape Cod. Some locals said they can't stay there due to a lack of work. However, the island's newspaper listed more than 50 job openings, including from a supermarket that is known for needing workers. A report issued last month from the Federation for American Immigration Reform found that almost 5 million people have entered the U.S. illegally since President Biden took office. The mayor of El Paso, Texas, defends busing thousands of illegal immigrants to New York City. He says it's to ensure they don't end up homeless or hungry. Oscar Leeser is a Democrat who served as mayor from 2013 to 2017 and was re-elected last year. He said that nearly 2,000 illegal border crossers arrived on Friday and that those numbers are continuing to increase. Leeser said in an interview on ABC's This Week that city officials communicate with the illegal immigrants and then treat them in a humane way. They figure out where they want to go and then help them to arrive there. The state of Texas says it's bussed over 2,500 illegal immigrants to New York City since August 5th, while El Paso has sent over 1,100 since August 23rd. Leeser and El Paso's Democrat-controlled city council are seeking reimbursement for the buses through the Federal Emergency Management Agency. In other news, the United States and the Taliban exchanged prisoners today. Navy veteran Mark Freericks from Illinois was kidnapped in January 2020. He was in Afghanistan at the time doing contract work. He disappeared weeks before the U.S. and the Taliban signed a peace deal. Authorities believe he was taken by a network that has links to the Taliban. President Biden called Freericks' sister to let her know that her brother is on his way back to the U.S. The Taliban received a man who was held in U.S. custody on drug charges. And coming up, a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocks southeastern Taiwan. No deaths are reported, but 150 are injured, and many people were trapped on mountain roads. And would U.S. forces defend Taiwan if China were to invade? Find out what President Biden had to say about it after the short break. Welcome back. More bodies were exhumed from a forest gravesite in eastern Ukraine yesterday. This after Ukrainian officials said last week they had found 440 bodies in the woodlands near Izium. Residents have been searching for dead relatives at the site where emergency workers began exhuming bodies last week. Authorities have not established the causes of death for those at the gravesite, though residents say some died in an airstrike. Ukrainian President Zelensky said that officials found a mass grave containing the bodies of 17 soldiers in Izium and that some of the bodies bore signs of torture. Meanwhile, Ukrainian prosecutors have released images reportedly showing what they describe as torture rooms in the Kharkiv region. Ukraine says it discovered more than 10 of those rooms after the Russian retreat, along with alleged torture devices. A magnitude 6.8 earthquake hit the sparsely populated southeastern part of Taiwan on Sunday. The quake derailed train carriages and trapped hundreds on mountain roads. 
6.8 magnitude earthquake hit Taiwan on Sunday, according to the island's weather bureau. The tremor derailed a train, caused a shop to collapse and trapped hundreds on the mountain roads. The Weather Bureau said the epicenter was in Taitung County, which is a sparsely populated southeastern part of Taiwan. According to the U.S. Geological Survey, Sunday's quake reached a whopping 7.2 magnitude and a depth of around 10 kilometers. Taiwan's fire department have said nearly 150 people were injured. The Taiwan Railways Administration said six carriages came off the rails at Dongli Station after part of the platform canopy collapsed, but the fire department said there were no injuries. The Weather Bureau have added that the quake could be felt across Taiwan. Buildings shook in the capital, Taipei, and aftershocks have continued to jolt the island. Taiwan lies near the junction of two tectonic plates, meaning it is prone to earthquakes. President Biden says U.S. forces would defend Taiwan if China attempts to invade the island. He made the statement on Sunday in an interview with 60 Minutes on CBS. Here's the clip. Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging their being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes. However, the White House said after the interview that U.S. policy hasn't changed. That policy says Washington wants to see Taiwan's status resolved peacefully, but doesn't say whether U.S. forces might be sent in response to a Chinese attack. Taiwan's foreign ministry expressed sincere gratitude to Biden today. That was for, in their words, affirming the U.S. government's rock-solid promise of security to Taiwan. Biden made a similar comment at a news conference in Tokyo in May. He said also yes when he was asked if he was willing to become involved militarily to defend Taiwan if China invaded. The White House also walked back that comment with a response that U.S. policy has not changed. Will President Biden run for president again? He says it's much too early to make that decision. In an interview that aired on CBS, the president said, quote, My intention, as I said to begin with, is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. The comments are a shift from what he's been saying publicly for most of his presidency, adding fresh uncertainty to a question that will be front and center for Democrats after this year's midterm elections. Biden's advisors expect him to discuss another run with his family over the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays with the hopes he'll announce his decision early in the new year. And just ahead, this year marks the 60th anniversary of the James Bond movies and one Illinois farm is celebrating it in a gigantic way. An Oktoberfest returns to Munich for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Over 400 breweries, restaurants, and other vendors are joining the festival. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. This year marks the 60th anniversary of James Bond movies. A farm in Illinois is celebrating the occasion with a corn maze. Here's the story. George Richardson says he has the world's largest, most intricate corn maze. It's in Illinois and has a James Bond theme. Richardson is the co-owner of Richardson Farm. He says a 28-acre maze with over 10 miles of trail is fun and challenging. Up on the uh, left side of the corn maze, we have the faces of 
Uh, help me out, Roger Moore. Who else is up there? Sean Connery and then Timothy Dalton. Center, the uh, background is the casino in Monaco, which is kind of the, you know, backdrop of a lot of the James Bond films. And Aston Martin out front. And then the faces of Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan over on the right-hand side. You actually solve the maze by finding the checkpoints. And uh, everybody gets a map. The tricky part is when you're out in the cornfield and on a six-foot-wide trail, figuring out which trail you're actually on gets to be challenging. To complete the maze, visitors must find 24 checkpoints. Ashberger took the challenge. We had a time limit, so we only did one minute, one hour, 30 minutes, and then um, we ended up only missing two spots. So it was pretty interesting. The pig race with James Bond's theme song is also a popular event. Mello Watts enjoyed the pig race. It was really interesting. I was rooting for the pigs. Sylvia Diaz came from the city of Chicago and had a great time. We do want to get away from the city a little bit, and this is such a wonderful experience for all of us because we can bring our dog. Over 30 activities, including jumping pillows, trains, and a carousel on the farm, attract adults and children. The farm is open through October. Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Spring Grove, Illinois. Oktoberfest is in full swing in Munich for the first time since the start of the pandemic. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest on the German festival. Germany's annual Oktoberfest festival is finally on again, following a two-year hiatus due to pandemic lockdowns. It is beautiful, and as you can see, the enthusiasm has returned, and I am sure that all Munich residents and guests are looking forward to Oktoberfest again. Over 400 breweries, restaurants, fish and meat grills, wine vendors, and others are attending. The first beer tents open at 9 a.m. and close at 10.30 p.m. A two-pint mug of beer costs between $12 and $14 this year, an increase of about 15% compared with 2019, according to the official Oktoberfest homepage. Hofbrau is one of the breweries at Oktoberfest. According to the brewery's head technician, the beer has a special taste this year. Our Oktoberfest beer has a bright golden color. It smells of honey, cookie, but also citrus and has light floral notes from the hops. Many revelers are dressed in traditional Bavarian garb. For designer Lola Paltinger, history is her muse. So on the one hand, I really, really like to be inspired by history, not only history, but I also like to go all the way back to Victorian times. So lots and lots of details from different eras. But just as important, of course, is really the current fashion. Women dress up in dirndl dresses and the men in lederhosen. And Paltinger knows what's in fashion. I really have the feeling that everyone is really craving for color, for a bit of opulence, for celebrating, of course, for having a good time. I'm really looking forward to Oktoberfest. And yes, of course, I find that very, very beautiful. And the Dirndl this year can be a little lusher, a little more glamorous, a little more opulent. The popular beer festival runs from September 17th to October 3rd. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. 
Across the globe in Buenos Aires, two Argentine couples are crowned Tango World Cup winners. Top awards were given out for both the Stage Tango and Salon Tango categories. The winners in the Stage Tango category showed their high-energy dance moves and limber bodies for the audience and other competitors. The Salon Tango winners showed their passionate devotion to the dance style. The final round took place on an open-air stage with the Buenos Aires obelisk as background. 560 competing couples took part in the championship. An international jury chose the winners out of 40 finalist pairs who competed in the Salon category and 20 couples in the Stage Tango category. The winners will be sponsored by Buenos Aires to participate in national and international tango events. The United Nations declared tango an intangible cultural heritage of humanity in 2009. How many people does it take to pull an 82-ton plane by hand? At Dulles International Airport's annual plane pull, teams only get 25 people to give it a try. Nearly 100 teams competed this year. So this actually started about 30 years ago here at Dulles Airport, and since then, that concept has taken off, and now other airports do it as well. It was an idea started by Joe Murtock from our police department in an effort to raise money for Special Olympics. We're very excited. We're with the Amazon team, and this is my first time doing for the Special Olympics, so I'm very excited. I invite a couple of friends to come out and support. It's very important to support these teams. The teams use the combined strength of their members to pull either a FedEx Airbus A320 or a United Boeing 757. They have to pull the gigantic planes 12 feet using a rope tied to the front wheel. The Dulles plane pull has been going on since 1992, although it was put on hold for the previous two years. It's become so popular that other airports are organizing their own plane pulling events. From the beginning, the event has raised more than $3 million for the Special Olympics. The Special Olympics is the world's largest sports organization for children and adults with intellectual or physical disabilities. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City. 